Let's stand up and pray real quick, and then we'll get in the message. Hope everybody's feeling good. Ready for summer to show up, finally, maybe? So that's what's officially summer now. We're weighted very heavily this direction today, so I'm not ignoring you guys over there. I'm just feeling the imbalance. Lord, thank you for your spirit, your goodness, your grace. I pray you'll bless us. Bless me as I try to deliver your word. I pray that you will anoint me, open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts in Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, just say amen. Amen. I want to talk about faith and healing. I want to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to use a couple of passages from the book of Romans to uh, launch out of here. So um, lot, I, I want to cover some various different things on healing. Today I'm going to talk about uh, just using faith for yourself to be healed, not negating other people praying for you, but I'm just not talking about the principles that go into play with that, okay? So when in the past when I've done this, people have gotten a little bit confused, or I've confused people uh, with them kind of getting stuck in an either-or frame, either people pray for me or I get it myself, you can do both. So, but we're going to focus on just really what I want to do is just teach some principles of faith, but use healing as the paradigm for that, because it's something that we can all relate to, right? Um, so I want to start in Romans chapter 12, because I want to preface it, because uh, I've been I've been doing this almost 30 years, teaching healing and principles of faith, and I know how messy it can get, so I want to try to Make it as clean as possible. You'll see what I mean in a second. Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, siblings. It says brethren, but it's not gender specific in the Greek. <laughs> it means from the same womb. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to kick my shoes off because I don't want to take time to tie it and I don't want to trip. (laughs) So I'm on holy ground now. It's like Moses took off my shoes. All right, so a couple things here. First thing I want to point out is that it talks about being conformed to the pattern of the world. So we'll spend a little bit of time looking at the pattern of the world and what it tells us about sickness and disease. But it also says in there to be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind. Now, this word renewing in the English, it's more subtle than it is in the Greek, but it implies a restoring back to an original condition. In order for something to be renewed, it had to be there in the first place. You don't renew a subscription if you're taking it for the first time. Right? If you renew a subscription, you already had it at one time and you're just making it new. You're, you're bringing it about again. So that is radically different than most people think. Because if your mind is to be renewed, then it had an original pattern that you lost that has to be restored. And the reason you and I lost it is because we became conformed to the thinking and the pattern of the world, or in the original language, the thinking and patterning of the age. The age in which we live. That's important. It's different than the world. It's the age because it has to do with time. So that begs the question, how did I have an original pattern before I came here? 
So literally what Paul is saying is he's saying in the spiritual process, in the process of being transformed. And by the way, being transformed does not mean being changed. It means being glorified. It's the same word that's used. It's only used one other time, or I'm sorry, two other times in the scriptures. And the pattern is when Jesus goes up on the mountain with Moses and Elijah and he is transfigured and light shines out from him. That's actually the word there. It's be transfigured, be transformed. Let the light that is within you shine out by the renewing of your mind or literally what Paul is saying, by waking up and remembering who you are. Because the age has caused you to forget. So here's my presupposition number one when it comes to healing. And this is why this is where I'm starting. And this is important that you have had some kind of a past existence as a soul. That you have existed eternally. You could not be chosen. The the scriptures say that God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. You could not have been chosen in Christ if you didn't exist. It's a religious lie. I mean, I'm really going to expose some religious lies. But that's just... So so God tells Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1... Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. So all God is doing for Jeremiah is waking him up to who he was before he showed up in his mom's womb. (laughs) So if there's no realization of who you were before this lifetime, you're very limited in your consciousness and your spiritual awakening and it is impossible for you to fulfill this process and be transformed because in order to be transformed, your mind has to be renewed. It has to be brought back to the original pattern or it has to synchronize with the agreements that your soul made before you stepped into the womb. So so here's my point. There are certain things like like like. So here's what religion does. Religion does this. Religion says, basically, I don't know why we're here, frankly. Under the old sort of evangelical paradigm, I don't even know why we're here. Except to try to figure out the right information so that we could be saved. To try to somehow choose God and believe right so that we can miss hell. <laughs> right? I mean, we, we, we say so many contradictory things. God created humanity so that he could love them, right? Why did God create you? So you could enjoy and experience God, so you could know His pleasure, so that He could love you. Oh, but things got so messed up because Adam and Eve ate from a tree or whatever. Things got messed up, so now we got to go to plan B. So now it must have caught God completely by surprise because even by the best estimates... Because here's what we say. We say you get one shot at this thing. You came into existence in the womb. You didn't know nothing. You, whether you were born a Muslim, whether you were born a Buddhist, or whether you were born a Christian, it was just a random thing. Unless you're a Calvinist, and then you think it was predestined by God. But there's lots of problems with that. Otherwise, it's just this random sort of wheel of fortune thing. Let's spin the wheel and see where you end up. Oh, you ended up in the Middle East where they everybody's Muslim and there's all kinds of pressure. And if you choose to be a Christian, they're, they're going to take your head off or whatever the case may be. They're going to kill you, kill your family, all that stuff. But the rest of us, like me, I was born where it was culturally acceptable, where it was the easiest thing in the world. You go, you go down and accept Jesus to nice music and, and, and everybody's, oh, and, and, and if you don't do that, somehow you don't fit in. And that's what determines your entire eternal destiny. 
And really what you do from that point on doesn't make a damn bit of difference. It really doesn't. Because who cares? Because once you step out of this life into the next life, uh, if you are a Christian, if you prayed the prayer, if you got the information right, uh, whatever the case may be, once you step out of this life, then you're just perfected. Because God can't be in the presence of sin. Think about it. So why work on anything? Oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot, because I'll have a better mansion in glory. My, my mansion will be a little bit bigger than yours. My stones and my crown will be shining just a little bit brighter, maybe, than some other people. And then there's those of us that we're going to have nothing. We're going to have the brown, the, 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 we're going to have, no, we're going to have. <laughs> so, so, so in the old traditional way, if you were a virgin when you got married, you wore a white dress when you came, right? But if you weren't a virgin and you were being traditional and you were being honest, then you wore the off-white, like the ecru. Right? So there's going to be those of us that, that we prayed the prayer and we, I don't know, we served, we tithed, we went to church, we told our neighbors about Jesus, we, we made cakes for the people that were nasty to us at work to show that we loved our enemies and, and we did, smiled and did the Joel Osteen thing and just lived our best life now. And when we get there, shh, pure white. But then there's those of us that just, nah. We lived one way Monday through Saturday and depends on what you were. If you were Catholic, you confessed your sins before you took uh, Mass on Saturday night before Sunday morning. Or if you were Pentecostal, you just came down, grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar or <laughs> went to the wailing benches. Oh, Jesus, forgive me for... <laughs> forgive me for Miller time, Lord. <laughs> I promise I'll never do it again. Just let me go this one time. Right? So so that's the ecru bunch. Right? I mean really, seriously, like like what? And then and then what do we what do we have to look forward to? Just just thinking holy, 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 holy for all eternity. The whole earth is full of your glory, right? Wow. I mean, come on. I mean, like, how many of you ever thought that? Heaven's going to be just one big worship service around the throne. And I'm thinking after about 25 hours of that, I'm thinking, what are they doing in hell? <laughs> it might be a little more, <laughs> might be a little less boring than this, I'm just saying. <laughs> but at any rate, once you step out of this body, you shed this flesh, you get out of this nasty, evil, awful world, get away from all you evil people, and, and just get up into heaven where only the pure and the saintly are, and, and there's no more temptation, and there's no devil to, to deceive me, and there's no flesh, awful flesh, to cause me problems, and sh- I'm good, right? So what's the point? So we do a... a f- What's the point of life? I mean, that's, and, 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 and then we say life's basically a test. So that's the good news. The bad news is, if you were born in one of those families, where maybe it was too sacrificial, I mean, how is that fair? Here's Aaron, he's born to, you know, uh, Baptist Methodists, and he gets to go to church camp, and, and gets affirmed and everything. Oh, he received Jesus, and then gets locked into a culture. Oh my God, don't dare question anything. Don't dare question the rapture. You heathen, you're going to hell. If you don't believe in the rapture, you're going to miss it. <laughs> you're going to be one of the ones left over to watch the videos that they left for everybody else when everybody disappears to tell them how horrible it's going to be. 
So there's, there's actually peer pressure to stay in the system. But this other person's born over in, in, in Muslim countries and somehow somebody paid a price for a missionary to go and they just happened to be one of the ones who got a track. Or they're in North Korea and they just happened to be one of the ones who got a track before the guy got arrested and he's doing time in a labor camp somewhere. And they read that and they find out, oh, Jesus is Lord. And they make that confession. Now there's all this pressure not to do it. Who's got it harder? But doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether it's socially acceptable to accept Christ or it's socially acceptable will not to accept Christ. That's all that matters. Is you make that decision. And once you make that decision, bam, you're in for all eternity. Which means we only need two ministries in the church. We need the evangelist and the assassin. We have been doing baptism all wrong. Especially if you're Pentecostal and you believe you can lose your salvation. You believe that you can backslide and go to hell. You are doing it all wrong. You are doing baptism all wrong because you need to hold them under... Because you got them at that moment. You got them saved. And you, you can't risk eternal conscious torment that they might backslide and they might lose their salvation. So just keep them down there a little bit longer. Because you're doing them a favor. And why be pro-life? Not a political comment, but I'm just saying. Why be pro-life? Because you haven't reached the age of accountability yet. So all those aborted babies are just going straight. Being pro-life, you're actually, you are actually causing, if you believe in eternal conscious torment, if people haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and you believe in the age of accountability, you are actually causing more death and destruction by being pro-life. Because those babies are going to have to make a choice. I'm just telling you how messed up we get. And then we try to fit healing into this paradigm, and that's our problem. Because we think this life is it. And so healing then is just a calling card to help people show that God is real so they can get saved, so they can miss hell and gain heaven. Because here's the thing, God created us to love us. God created us for a purpose. God created us because He's so good and He's so loving. But, 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 gosh, narrow is the way that leads to life and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be that find it. So that means at least by, by the most, by the most evangelastic, you know what I mean by that? We had 15 people at church. Oh man, we had 150 people there. I mean, evangelastic. At least 75% of every human being ever made is going to hell. So, then if God came up with this plan, did He make you to love you or did He make you to torture you? Which is it? You see how twisted all that logic becomes? But now let's back up and and let's just suppose, let's just say, let's step out of that framework and let's come back and look at things. And if Paul's saying, look, there was an original pattern, you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. If God could tell Jeremiah, before I formed you in the mother's womb, then that means that you had an existence and you had a soul and you had a choice before you came here. And you made certain agreements and certain Contracts, and there were certain things. What if there is more purpose to this life than just you get the answers on the quiz right so you don't go into God's torture chamber where He constantly keeps reviving you so He can keep torturing you? To what end? Punishment for punishment's sake. What if that is not the paradigm? But see, you shake that paradigm, you take that away from people, and they're like, well, then what's the point? Why are we doing all this? Why go to church? 
Because life for them is just one big test. And you get one shot at it. And you better get the answers right. But what if there is a, there is an eternal unfolding somehow of who you are that is progressive and that is evolving and that, that, that what if God really is big enough to not torture you for all eternity because you didn't accept Him? Like, like how petty? What if God has a plan that goes beyond that? What if to the degree that hell exists, it is redemptive? And what if there are certain things in the ages to come that you are to unfold and become and manifest to your own glory, and in order to do that, you had to take a short stop here as a human being in this life in order to learn lessons and grow and develop in ways that you needed in order to fulfill whatever the future was. What if your soul looked, what if all the mess in your life is actually really there to teach you something, but it's not God teaching it to you. It's you saying, you know what, I need this in order to increase and develop as a soul. So here's the point. When I'm talking about, and I know I haven't gotten to the healing aspect of this, but but it's important because healing isn't just God's calling card to get everybody saved. It isn't just a sign and wonder to validate that the person, what they're saying is true. And also, you've got to understand that there are some souls that it's not part of their agreement or their contract to be healed. It's not an issue of the will of God. We try to make it so simple. It's God's will to heal everybody every time. Well, then what's the problem? Well, the problem is we don't believe enough. <laughs> and so then we just we make these simplistic answers. And that's our problem. That's religion's problem. No critical thinking. No thinking through logically the, the, their positions. Just like, for example, and again, not a political statement, but if you believe that a person reaches a place of accountability and they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and you know that the, that the vast majority of people or minority of people are not going to do that. Wait, let me say that. The vast majority of people are not going to do that. Especially as we get closer to the end times, because there's going to be a great falling away, and there's going to be fewer and fewer believers, and there's going to be a remnant. I mean, I heard this stuff preached for 20-some years. But then, we don't want to have abortions. But those aborted babies don't go to hell because they didn't reach the age of accountability. So, how are you doing any good from an eternal perspective? You see what I'm saying? It makes more sense to say, I'm going to be pro-life because there are things that that soul chose that that soul needs to learn and that that process can be aborted. So I'm just saying there's logical inconsistencies. So we say, well, it's God's will to heal everybody every time. Or if we say, well, but, but then the flip side of that is, well, then it's not God's will to heal everybody every time. So what, is God half good and half bad? Does, does God play favorites? I mean, how does all this work out? Maybe, just maybe, there are levels of soul agreement. And because this life is a flash in the pan, I mean, think about it. From the perspective of your soul, you had a dream. How many of you had a dream last night that you remember? Yeah, how many of you are stuck in it thinking, wow, that dream was a really big deal. Oh my God, it's the end of the world. I just, I can't believe this dream that I had. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I just dreamt. I dreamt that I was sick. I, I dreamt that I, I dreamt that I was in an insane 
asylum, or I dreamt that I was buried alive. Let's say take that one. I dreamt that I was buried alive. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe I was buried alive. Oh, I got better go get counseling because I dreamt that I was buried alive. Don't make that big a deal out of your dream. But in the expanse of who you are as an eternal being, this life is that or less. When you die, whenever that is, and you wake up to the fullness of who you are as an eternal soul and child of God, it's going to be like a dream. And everybody else's pattern and path and life is going to be like a dream as well. So that allows me to minimize my problems rather than maximize them. It allows me to take my mountains and turn them into molehills instead of taking every molehill and turning it into a mountain. Does that make sense to you? And so the issue is not it's God's will to heal every time. The issue is that there are certain soul agreements that you may be getting in the way of if you're trying to heal somebody who at a soul level has agreed it's not in their highest good or best interest to be healed right now. It's not about God. It's not, oh God, can we convince God to, to, to heal? It, it, is, it isn't about that. <laughs> And so it also allows you that this paradigm that, that there might be, that, that your soul might be more expansive, that this life might be more expansive, that the spiritual life might be more expansive than just getting the answers right to the test, than just getting a, a, a shinier jewel inside your crown or a little bit, I, I got a added section on my mansion in glory so I can go to sleep and get up the next morning and go to church. Can't, I don't have a house by the beach. I can't even hope for that because in the New Jerusalem, there's no more sea. If you want to take it literally. And there's no nighttime. So we're all in Alaska during the summer. <laughs> Struggling with insomnia, man. Putting up the, the, sealing off the windows so that the mellow, well, it's just crazy. But maybe there's something more expansive. Maybe there's something greater. Maybe there's a greater purpose to everything that you go through in your life. And maybe some of the, the junk that we go through is actually junk that our soul knew would be, be good for us, but our ego doesn't want to accept that. And so we fight and we wrestle with stuff and we wrestle with God and we wrestle with each other and we do all this mess because we don't know who we are because our minds have not been renewed to the original pattern of who we are. Are, are you breathing? So what if that's reality? Then perhaps I'm, I'm infringing on someone else's highest good if I try to shove healing down their throat. Just because I think it's God's will to heal them. My God, I've seen, I, I, feel, I feel sorry for people. You know, I mean, it, it's, it stinks. If, if you want to be healed, if you've got a, a, a chronic illness or chronic condition and you want to be healed and you're going to a church that just tells you God did that to you to try to teach you something, then... And, Ugh. But what's worse is you go to a faith healing church and every time you come down for prayer, people automatically assume it's about your physical condition, which means they've reduced you down to your physical condition. They've, your entire life is your disability, apparently. Now, you know this happens. My God, they'll catch you in the foyer and lay hands on you. Oh, and shunda, 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 shunda. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And, and you're like, I just want to get through my day. You know, I just, 
I'm feeling a little depressed today, you know, or, 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 or my family member's going through trouble. So, so you wheel yourself down in the wheelchair and, and, you, and they don't even bother to ask you because pretty soon they're trying to pull you up. And God bless some people, man, they pull them up, walk them around, drop them. Oh, Smith Wigglesworth used to drop them and pick them back up. So then they pick them back up and then all they do is get bruised. So then they go to church. <laughs> With a heavy heart. And before you know, they're part of some freak sideshow. And then they leave bruised. Not healed. Alright. I'm just saying. Hey, mind your own business. <laughs> right? So this, these principles are for you to use for yourself. Right? Got it? Now, here's the other thing I believe. I believe that in these bodies, I believe in order for our souls, some of us, a lot of us, in order for our souls to get the full experience, then we do need to live a long life. In order for our souls to have the full experience, that we do need to be healthy. I do think that sometimes we put up with sickness and disease and issues in our life that we absolutely don't have to put up with. Just because it's the pattern of the world. I was talking to Jordan yesterday and I was saying, you know, I feel pretty good. And I'm working, working out with him and stuff and I feel pretty good at 47. I feel better at 47 than I did at 35. But you know, working out makes you sore. But when you're 18, you work out, you're sore, you expect it, you wake up and you say, wow, I'm sore because I worked out. You're 47, you're sore, you wake, wake up and you automatically think, oh, I'm getting old, I'm not as young as I used to be. Because you forgot how much you hurt at 25 when you started working out. But somehow that pattern, that just sneaks in there. Oh my God, my body's old. And so, you know, that's part of the, the, the pattern of this world. You know, you agree. Oh my goodness, my vision's getting worse. I can't quite read right. I'm going to have to get cheaters. Yep, I'm about 47. I'm getting about the right number of trips around the sun for that to happen. And if you're God... <laughs> I'm going to that. <clears throat> yeah, why not? What the heck? <laughs> if you're a guy... Every radio program you listen to, I mean, a 20-minute drive to work, you're at least hearing three times about how your equipment is going to quit working in your late 40s and you need to go to order Endro or go to the testosterone clinic up there or get the blue pill. <laughs> so then what are you doing? You're making a grievance. My God, I'm, I'm late 40s and my sex life's done. I'm just saying... Like they're sending us these, this information all the time. And why do they always do the, the, the side effects in that droning voice? Like, like, so one of the things I've studied is like hypnosis and like how to bypass the conscious mind and get to the unconscious mind where a lot, lot of controlling things is, is going on. And that's all hypnosis is. I know Christians get nervous. Oh my God, now he's talking about hypnosis. But you, if you've ever, if you've ever watched a football game and seen a beer commercial, you've been subjected to hypnosis. Because the beer commercials are directed specifically at men who are specifically <laughs> stimulated, biologically wired, by God, by the way, <laughs> to see, uh, uh, to be visually stimulated by a woman. So what do they do? They, they put uh, women in bikinis on the beach playing volleyball or whatever, and it's Miller time. And they don't tell you that, you know, <laughs> Miller time is going to lead to... <laughs> you go from a six-pack to a barrel. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but what happens? 
You watch that over and over and over. And so you're seeing that. And so you're associating a good feeling with Miller, a good feeling with Coors or whatever. So then you're walking by the aisle in Walmart. And all of a sudden, what do you see? You see Coors. What happens? Oh, you've been trained and conditioned by repetition. So now you're buying it. You don't even know why. It's subconscious. They had to outlaw subliminal messages in movies. They had to outlaw them because you'd be sitting there watching a movie and they'd flash up something so quick you wouldn't notice it. Buttered popcorn. Coca-Cola. And they did studies. And they'd flash that up. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the movie, you don't care what's going on. You just, i got to have popcorn. Because your brain was able to process that, but you didn't process it consciously. So now they just, they, now they just do it before the movie. You, you see what I'm, how did I get off on all this? So you're being unconsciously programmed to accept all kinds of breakdowns and different things that are happening with your body. Just because it's part of the pattern of this age. So then you go to be healed and you've got to overcome, you've got all that stuff in there. Certain diseases are incurable. And my God, how many of you have ever gone to DrAaron.com? You just insert your name in there. Like you had a symptom and you went, nobody's ever done this? Okay, my name's Aaron, so it's a metaphor. Like you have a symptom in your body, so you Google it? Nobody, am I the only one that's ever done this? Thank you. And so pretty soon what happens? You're, you're dead. You're dead. Because legally, if it's a legitimate website, they got to put on there the worst case scenario because you're one in the 10 trillion that has it and you're going to die from it. And if they didn't highlight it, then they're going to get sued. So then the rest of us are highlighting this symptom thinking, oh my God, I have cancer. Remember I had a little lump in a lymph node one time and I, I went to the chiropractor and the chiropractor saw it and I could see the look on the chiropractor's face and he's like, you better get that checked out. And we didn't have health insurance at the time. And so I googled swollen lymph node and all kinds of cancerous diagnoses. Or, I'm like, oh my God. I'm and so then I'm looking at alternative. Next thing I know, I'm looking at alternative treatments. <laughs> What what are the alternative treatments for this thing, right? <laughs> lemonade diet. You know, get rid of all the sugar. Do the lemonade diet. So we go on the lemonade diet. Which Have you heard of the lemonade diet? It cleanses all the toxins out of your system. You use lemons and, and maple syrup and all this stuff. And I did that for about 10, 15 days. No food, just lemonade. Just every time you got hungry, man, you squeeze some lemon, put some maple syrup in there, check it up. Cayenne pepper is supposed to cleanse all the toxins out of your body. It leads to cancer in that lump in my arm. And you know what happened to me? I convinced my body that I was starving. I used to have trouble gaining weight. Like trouble. Like I know for some people that's like you can't imagine that even as a problem. I did the lemonade diet. Holy moly. Because my body was like, oh my God, we're starving. We're never going to eat again. <laughs> and so what happened when I came off the lemonade diet? Oh, we got to start holding on to that stuff. <laughs> the world has changed. <laughs> we used to be abundantly supplied. We could let all that stuff go, but now we got to hold on to it. <laughs> Finished the lemonade diet, I still got a lump on my arm. Go to an actual doctor. I don't even remember this. Go to an actual doctor. Well, how long you had it? I don't know. I'm a few months. But has it grown? No, it hasn't grown. Oh, it's probably nothing. Wait a minute. 
You mean I don't have to go for a, what, what is it, a, a ultrasound? I, I, you're not going to inject dye into me and do one of those, one of those uh, I don't know, what, what's a PET scan? I mean, come on, I'm, I'm supposed to be, I'm, I, <coughs> I had a cough and I, and I read that it could go from my lymph nodes into my lungs and I'm sure, I, it's allergy season, but I'm sure I've got lung cancer. <laughs> Nobody's ever done this. <coughs> See, you, 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 you could program yourself for diseases. I remember with Julie, they, 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 you know, she had some, some, something show up in her bloodstream that indicated she might have lupus. And so, you know, they give her a pamphlet. Like, if you have any of these symptoms, you know, backache, <laughs> rash on your arm, you know, all this stuff. And I remember she's sitting there looking at it. She's like, my God. I mean, you start going through the checklist. Yes, I got this. Yes, I got this. Yes, I got this. Yes, I got this. Pretty soon you're saying, I got lupus. Or grabbing the thing out of her hand. Get rid of that thing. Have the prayer team come over. Have the prayer team come over and pray for you. <laughs> and pretty soon after a few months of that, all the symptoms went away. But I'm telling you right now. Well, she could have talked herself into lupus. Why? The body is created. They're, they're actually, tell me you heard of the placebo effect. The placebo effect, right? So, so, so if medicine is going to make it to the market, they, they have to show that it has enough cause. They have to rule out the placebo effect, right? Which means you're just taking a sugar pill, but the belief that you're going to get better makes you better. We found out uh, Josiah's been having some foot pain, and we, we found out it's more neurological, but we would give him Advil. He'd wake up crying. As soon as we give him Advil, he couldn't sleep, feet kicking, running a race in his sleep because his feet hurt. Wake up, we give him Advil. He'd go, sleep like a baby. Oh, thank you. Fifteen minutes later, pain's all gone, right? And then I had the, 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 the medical professional say, Advil won't do anything for nerve pain. <laughs> you need to get him on some, some other medication. I'm like, well, hey, you know. Something to be said for the placebo effect. Maybe we can stop. You just give him something that tastes like Advil and tell him it's Advil and see if it has the same effect. It's called the placebo effect, but there's also something called the nocebo effect. Anybody ever heard of the nocebo effect? The nocebo effect is the exact opposite, where you can make your body sick because you believe that it needs to be sick. You can put your body in pain because you believe that your body needs to be put in pain. And so what's the patterning of the world that's telling you over and over and over again? The body breaks down. The body gets old. You don't heal as quickly. How many? That's an unconscious belief. I mean, we all generally believe you don't heal as quickly as you get older. So that's what you're telling your body. Don't heal as quick because we, we're 47 now. We don't recover as fast. See? See how you attach different meaning? You wake up at 23 with an ache or a pain or whatever. You say, I'll get over it. You know, I'm young. I can make it. You wake up at 47, 48, 57, 65, whatever. Oh, my God, my body's breaking down. <laughs> you don't even have to try to think it. Because we've made those social agreements. That's the pattern of the world, right? So how do we how do we go about changing that? Let's look at one more passage in then. Romans chapter 4. Has this helped you today? I hope a little bit, maybe. <clears throat> what you believe... What I'm trying to say is what you believe to a large extent will determine your health, your well-being, and your quality of life. Romans 4.13 says the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those 
For of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. So in other words, how good you are, how bad you are has nothing to do with it. Oh, God didn't do it. because Oh, God. <laughs> Just <laughs> heal me and I promise I'll skip Miller time. I promise I won't ever do it again. I promise, Lord. Just I promise. I'll, I'll do like Job and I'll make a covenant with my eyes and all. I won't look on that evil stuff anymore. I won't watch that TV program anymore. Whatever kind of crazy stuff. I mean, I don't know what y'all are doing, but like, for those of us that are living a pretty good life, yet we're still living with this sin consciousness. I mean, what are you doing? If you're feeling guilty all the time. <laughs> How bad could you be? Oh, you played cards. You showed, you showed a shoulder in church. I mean, no kidding. Some of the churches that I've been invited to speak to, I remember one time, we're in, we're in, we're in South Carolina in the middle of July. And we all go out to eat and this poor lady is showing a shoulder. Like she has a summer dress on, right? And her shoulders are showing. And I kid you not, the pastor and his wife go up and tell her she's got to cover up. Because, you know, you might be a stumbling block for the brothers. So she's got to put a shawl on. I'm like, I don't know what kind of guys get turned on just looking at a shoulder. but Or somebody's bony kneecap, you know, the dread. The, the shirt is too, the shirt is, I'm mean, not the shirt, sorry. The skirt, the skirt is too short, you know, if it comes, if it comes up above the wherever, you know, and all you can see is pretty much the kneecaps and the shin, but hey, what, whatever your fetish is, I guess, I don't know, but like I never would have thought of that in my life, but in church. Now I, you know, I, granted, I grew up on the, <laughs> Why? Why? Why am I doing this? I don't know. I grew up on the swim team in the eighties. You know, that was like, that was like speedo days. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we just run around the whole weekend in our speedos. You know, we didn't think anything of it, right? So, so we go and, and Julie swam competitively too. We end up going to Arkansas to like a family camp, right? <laughs> I didn't wear Speedos. I know that's what you're thinking. <laughs> I know I know that's what you're thinking. I'm sorry I put that, even made you think that image. <laughs> Terrible. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, so, so we show up, like, you know, in trunks. My kneecap was showing, but... And this was after the <laughs> after the lemonade diet, just saying. <laughs> and, and poor Julie, like, you know, she's wearing a one-piece, you know? And we show up, and we're swimming, we're having a good time. Pretty soon we're looking around, you know, because we're at this, this Bible Belt church, guest speakers, man of God, woman of God, whatever, we're looking around. Pretty soon I notice all the women have T-shirts on. <laughs> like, and it ain't to not get a sunburn either. Just like if you're in a one piece, you're indecent. If you're not covered up, why am I going off on this? I have absolutely no clue. Because y'all, y'all ain't that bad. That's my point. Like, like we shame people to such a degree that if you show a shoulder, you show a kneecap, you're a hoe. 
Or if you're a man, you're expected to get lit up with lust every time you look at a woman. I mean, my God, I am telling you right now that women are more objectified sexually in some churches than probably they are, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, uh, no, I can't say that. <laughs> then they are in Hollywood, because my God, at least in Hollywood, they give you something to look at. Hell, you go to some churches and think, oh, if you look, show your shoulder, show your kneecap. If you're a man, that, whoa, that fills you full of lust. My God, how do I survive then? Jeez, I must just be thinking about sex all the time. And... All right, I'll get off of it. Ah, back to the passage. Sorry, I don't know how I did with that. Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> So it's not through the works of the law. It's not how good you've been or how bad you've been, how much time you spent reading your Bible or went to church or did you tithe or whatever. It's, it's about faith. It's about what you believe. So you can be doing all the good stuff. You can, you can be just as righteous and as pure and as holy and you never drank caffeine a day in your life and you never said a cuss word in church or, I'm sorry, you never said a cuss word a day in your life. Right? And you're just as, you, you are one of the white, Wedding dress saints when you get to heaven. You're wearing the white garment. You know what I'm saying? But it's about your beliefs. What do you believe? The promise comes through faith, not through performing, not through being good enough. It's by grace, it's by, and it comes by faith. It's, it's all about what do you believe. Right? So then it says, uh, are we doing all right? Okay, Jill is. That's cool. And I think I heard somebody else say, uh-huh, there. <laughs> I'm trying to stop the incredible shrinking church. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Let's go to verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now look at this, verse 17. As it is written... Quote, I have made you, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he might become the father of many nations, who contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he might become the father of many nations. Here's the point. God shows up. If you go back and read the story in Genesis, God shows up and tells Abram, who hasn't had a child yet, and he says, I have made you the father of many nations. He puts it in the past tense. In, in the Greek, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's, an, it's a definite action that occurred in the past and needs nothing else to happen for it to occur again. It is settled once and for all and for all time. When the buildings came down on 9-11, the World Trade Center was destroyed, that was it. It's an action in the past, and it's unchangeable. That's the tense here. But Abram hadn't had a baby yet. Abram wasn't a father. So that's very important. God does not say, I will make you a father of many nations. God does not say, you will become a father of many nations. God says to him, an action that already occurred in the past, I have already made you a father of many nations. That's why it goes on and says that this is the God who gives life to the dead, and watch this, calls those things that be not as though they were. 
In other words, it doesn't exist yet. It's not in the future. It's not in the present. There's no tangibility to it. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You don't have it. You can't feel it. But God calls it as though it already is. As though it already happened in the past. That's how God talks. Calls those things that be not as though they were. Now watch this. It says, who contrary to hope. Abraham, who contrary to hope. And here's our problem. Faith and hope are two totally different things. And they are contrary to one another. Hope is always in the future. Always. Most people confuse faith with hope. Because they think that that somehow God is again testing them and measuring their faith. And if they can believe it strong enough, if they can believe that God will heal, and they can believe it's enough then it will happen. But it's still in the future. And faith is contrary to hope because faith steps completely out of the paradigm of hope and believes that the thing has already happened in the past before it occurs. So the moment you step into faith, you step out of hope. Hope never got anybody healed. Hope never got anybody an answer to prayer. Hope never got anybody anything except they felt better. (laughs) It gave them a positive attitude about life. Hope is important if you're suicidal. Frankly. Hope is important if you think all is lost. Hope is important if your life stinks so bad that you just, and you just keep looking to the past. Hope is important if you're stuck in regret. It's important for you to realize there's a better day ahead. There's something good is going to happen to you. That's a good thing for you to have. But it won't get you anywhere. All it does is put a carrot on a stick that you keep chasing. Because if, be it unto you according to your faith. Watch this, watch this. Very subtle but important. Be it unto you according to your faith. If your faith is it will happen, what are you going to keep manifesting? It will happen. So if I say it will happen, I don't have it. So if the answer is, be it according to your faith, then guess what? I just keep the carrot on the stick. <laughs> the healing, the promotion, the prosperity, the, the, whatever change it is that I want, it's just always out there in the future. And it's my own belief system that keeps manifesting it for the future. So I'm just like a dog chasing it. I mean, that's one of the things. we got this big puppy that just gets out and likes to go hang out in the middle of the road. And you, you tell him to come and he just takes off. I lost my keys. All right, last story I'm going to tell you. It has nothing to do with anything. I lost my keys. We had one key to our car because that's all they gave us from the dealership. We could never get another one. And I, I, I was working out with Jordan six o'clock in the morning. I had to come home. I had to be at work by eight. So I just, I'm going to go home, take a real quick shower because I had time. So I go home. I'm, I'm like in literally in three rooms. I'm like in, in, in uh, I, I unlocked the door so I know I had the keys. And I'm like in the laundry room and, and the bathroom. That's it. I'm, I go take a shower. <laughs> I get changed, put on fresh clothes. I'm ready to go. I cannot find my key anywhere. I'm looking everywhere for that key. 20 minutes later, I'm still looking for that key. And I'm like, I looked in the car. Retrace your steps. I look. Did I leave it in the doorknob? Can't find it anywhere. Don't know where the key is. I have no idea where the key is. I don't. I didn't go upstairs. Can't be upstairs. I was in two rooms. I had to take a different car to work. Two days, we can't find that key or something, I think. I don't know, something like that. My dog's outside, and I hear this jingle, 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 jingle. 
And I'm like, huh, that strangely sounds like a set of keys. <laughs> Next thing I know, that puppy, so I'm like, here, Angel, here you. Oh, no, this is a game. We're going to run all around the yard while we're chewing on your keys. And then we're going to stop and we're going to chew on the fob. And, and then I'm going to try to get I get just close enough to grab it. And he takes off again, right? So what do I got to do? I got to get food. Come here, you know, get him out of the food. And what am I, if I'm trying to get him out of the road in the house, what am I doing? Come on, 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 come on. And we do that to ourselves when we stay stuck in hope and we don't shift into a position of faith. And then we blame God. So in order for Abraham to believe, he had to go contrary to hope, which means he had to believe that it had already happened to him in the past. He had to take his future and put it in the past when it hadn't happened yet. And build a consciousness from that place where he's anticipating the future rather than responding to the future. Jesus said it this way, What things soever you desire, when you pray, what? Believe that you have received them. In the Greek, believe that it is an action that has taken place in the past. When you pray, believe it already happened in the past and you'll have it. That's totally different. If you read it in English, it's like you're supposed to believe it when you pray. That it's happening as you're praying. As I'm praying, I'm receiving. That's not what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, believe that the action already occurred in the past. And if you can do that, guess what? You step out of hope, because hope always has to do with the future. You step out of hope, and you begin to act like it's something that already happened in the past. The God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. And he said, if you can do that, what things soever you desire when you pray, if you can believe that it already occurred in the past, you will have it. Messes up your whole idea of cause and effect and time in this 3D world. Why? Because as long as you are functioning in a cause effect that is based on your body and based on this physical dimension, you forget who you are. But when you wake up, when you renew your mind to the fact that you have always been, that your soul is so expansive, that you absolutely are the divine essence, that you have a divine nature that is capable of moving mountains and working miracles and changing situations in your life and you begin to manifest that, you begin to renew your mind to the original pattern and you are no longer just Aaron Tomlinson or Pam McConnell or or or, or whatever. You're no longer your history. You're no longer your stories that you've been telling yourself. You're no longer the events of your life, but you are expansive and eternal and powerful and divine in your nature and in your essence. And once the eternity begins to shine, that eternal light begins to shine out of you because you're no longer agreeing with all the junk that is in the world. Now, time and space is something that you manipulate. And you are manipulating time and space when you don't have healing, but you believe that it already happened. You are manipulating time and space when you want to raise and you don't have it yet, but you believe that it already happened. You are manipulating time and space when you are not the person that you want to be yet, but you believe that you've already become the father of many nations. 
contrary to hope, he believed and he manifested the reality of who he was. But until he believed, that's already who he was. That's why self-help programs don't work, especially Christian self-help, because we're always trying to get better. We're always trying to become something. And the moment you tell yourself you have to become something, what do you do? You actually tell yourself you ain't that already. So you're back to the carrot on the stick. But when you step into the eternal consciousness of who you are, time and space makes no difference, and you begin to manipulate it. And that which you are hoping for in the future, watch this. Imagine it like you're on a game board. Like, I could just imagine yourself for a minute, alright? Life is a game. You're, on, you're standing, you, on a chessboard. And that, let's say it's the queen, and that's what you want. And you keep it out in front of you. And you think, based on this time-space world, that you got to take certain steps and moves, whatever, to go grab that queen. You understand? Where I'm, are you following me? But when you realize that you're eternal, you're no longer on the board, you're looking at the board. And then you can grab that thing that you want, that's in the future, that hasn't manifested yet, and you can take it and move it into the past, conceptually, in your mind. And you can believe that that's how things really are. That's the moment that you penetrated the world with your eternal divine nature. And you can begin to bring into manifestation the very thing that you desire. As long as you're hoping for it, you'll never get it. But the moment you can say, it already occurred in the past... And you align your consciousness. You align your thinking with that. You align your imagination with that. You align your feelings with that. See, that's all you have to do. You quit trying to convince God to do something. You quit, you quit praying and you quit getting on. You with me? All you do is focus on thinking about it like you've already got it imagining it in the theater of your imagination over and over and over again, like it's already occurred, like it's already happened, like it's already a reality. Gathering to yourself the feeling of appreciation as though you already have it. And you do that over and 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 over until what's going on inside of you is more real than anything that's outside of you. And nobody can talk you out of it. Nobody can convince you that it's different because you've literally rewired the neural programming, the neural pathways in your brain. You have wired neural pathways in your brain that tell you that you already have it. And if you've got those pathways in your brain that tell you you already have it, it's impossible for somebody to come and tell you that you don't. Because it doesn't feel true. The doctor can tell you you're going to die. No, that doesn't feel true. Because I've lived healthy so many times in the theater of my imagination that I've wired my brain for success. I've wired my brain for healing. (laughs) I promise you it works. That's the place of faith. I'm no longer hoping for it. I've already got it. No, you don't have it. Yeah, I do. I have it inside. I have it in my imagination. I have it in my emotions. I have it in my thought life. And then I begin to talk and begin to act like I've already got it. Don't put the cart before the horse. That's what some people did with faith. Like back, you know, uh, Brother Hagin teach you, you got to act like you got it before you, before you got it. So people, okay, well, I'm going to throw my glasses away and just believe my eyes are healed and get in the car and drive. <laughs> Come driving by faith because I go over the, the curve. <laughs> 
That's acting it before you believe it, actually. Does that make some sense? Do this for yourself. Listen, don't try to impose this on somebody else. When you're ministering healing to somebody else, you do not do it the same way. You don't do it the same way. You don't start imagining them well and all that stuff because you're you're not minding your own business and you're actually imposing your will and purpose upon their life and you might be taking away from them the very thing that their soul agreed to come here to do in order to grow and progress. This is for you to use for yourself, for your own growth, for your own manifestation, for your own well-being in accordance with your own soul agreements and your own highest Let's stand up. Was that helpful today at all? I hope I didn't offend you. <laughs> if I offended you with my humor, I'm sorry. <sighs> Wasn't trying to. Let's lift our hands. I want you to uh, take this seed thought into your mind today. If you didn't get anything else out of today, just take this seed thought that you are an eternal being. That who you are is not the sum total of your life experience. It's not the sum total of your genetics. It's not the sum total of whatever's gone on with you. That's not who you are. You are an eternal being who is an exact representation of the divine here on the earth. And you are here to learn, and you are here to grow, and you are here to manifest the glory of who you are and the glory of God. The glory of God is who you are. <laughs> and you're here to manifest it and declare it, release it. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I thank you for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for taking the, 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 the reality of who we are and waking us up to it. I thank you for helping us to recover from our own amnesia. Thank you, Father, for quickening us to the reality of the power that resides within us, within our own thoughts and feelings. And Father, I pray an, an impartation of grace, an impartation of faith, and an impartation of life that would just be given to your people today. And we ask it in the mighty and wonderful name of your Son, Jesus. And if you can agree with that, just say amen. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for listening to me. <laughs> amen.